Hello and welcome back to the show. How's everyone doing? So excited to have you here for another Now What Wednesday. We are wrapping up the final push of this season. We're getting to the end now and these final episodes are just so, so amazing. I'm so grateful to each and every single one of my guests this season. And today's guest is no different. I met the lovely Janielle McCoy through a mutual friend. And those are the best people to connect with, right? Friends who know other amazing friends. And we just hit it off. And she came on the show to share her story about struggling with dyslexia and flunking out of college more than once. But now she has a thriving, beautiful career that she loves and really wants to, you know, raise attention and awareness towards dyslexia and how that impacts students and the need to get kids assessed and not judge their children's abilities along the way, but with that similar to what she experienced through elementary and high school as well as college. So without further ado, let's get to know Danielle. She is a fashion expert and wardrobe consultant for the film and television world. From showcasing her personal style on herself and her clients on and off television, she also shares her experience living with dyslexia in the corporate world. She has over 15 years of fashion experience and has worked for conglomerates like Saks Fifth Avenue and television networks like CBC, BET, and Amazon, just to name a few. Uh, today, you can find her on the popular Canadian morning show, City Line, with Tracy Moore, where she is sharing the latest fashion trends. So without further ado, let's get to the Now What? Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own I just blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friends, have you ever had that I just feel so bloated now what moment? <laughs> Me too, and that's when I reach for my Greens Gut Glow Drink. Yep, I can sip my way to healthier looking skin, support my digestive system, and get an extra scoop of greens all in one bundle that helps me de-bloat. This nutritious trinity includes three of my favorite Arbonne nutrition products, Be Well Superfood Greens, Gut Health Digestion and Microbiome Support, and Skin Elixir Collagen Support. I drink this every day. The greens, just one scoop of this versatile vegan superfood powder, delivers a blend of 36 fruits and vegetables in each serving for a boost of greens, featuring fiber, photonutrients, along with a natural deep green color courtesy of blue-green algae derived from spirulina, chlorelia, wheatgrass, and barleygrass. Just one scoop provides me with the benefits of eating a full color spectrum of fruits and vegetables. 
Minding my gut's microbiome is a must, and this delicate balance of bacteria helps support favorable gut flora. Designed to support the benefits of a healthy diet, this plant-powered natural health product mixes easily with water, so its blend of probiotics and enzymes can work synergistically with my body to help support gastrointestinal health. Its ingredients include inulin from chicory root and 3 billion CFUs of bacillus coagulant probiotics plus enzymes that act as a digestive aid. This natural health product helps support favorable gut flora while helping to digest proteins and contains ginger, which traditionally used in herbal medicine to help relieve digestive upset. For the glow, I'm sipping my way to healthier looking skin. This acai or dragon fruit flavored vegan natural health product features antioxidant vitamin C to help in collagen formation to maximize healthy bones, cartilage, teeth, and gums, silicone and biotin to support healthy hair, skin, and nails, and a blend of sea buckthorn fruit extract, pine bark extract, and vitamin C for antioxidants. This vegan natural health product provides beneficial ingredients for my skin, hair, and nails. So head to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com and use promo code ARBON10 to get 10% off your Greens Gut Glow Bundle. That's jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com and promo code ARBON10 gets you 10% off. Or just click the link in the show notes and get your Greens Gut Glow Bundle all in one click. Hi, Janelle. So uh, we're going to have an awesome conversation today about a topic that is near and dear to your heart, something that I I think I need to hear because it's probably going to tell me some things about my past, mm-hmm. but a lot of people out there as well, as it relates to like how, how people learn, <laughs> how people, how the education system treats people who learn differently and this thing called dyslexia. But before we do that, you know, obviously I just read your wonderful bio for everybody, but I always love for guests to share a little bit about themselves and their own words to everybody. Like, what do you want the people to actually know about you? Okay. Well, first off, my name is Janielle McCoy. I'm 39 years old, even though I don't look 39. (laughs) My background is Jamaican, but I was born in Canada, Toronto. And I call myself a fashion enthusiast. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, because I do so many things pertaining to fashion. I'm not just a stylist. I'm not just a consultant. I don't just work in retail. I pretty much do anything in fashion. So long, long story short, I am a fashion expert on CityLine, which I've been doing for two years. So we have that. I'm also a wardrobe consultant for film and television. So I style actors and actresses. I'm also a costume buyer in film. So I'm responsible for getting the clothes for the actors and so forth. And I'm also a visual display artist, otherwise known as a visual merchandiser. The reason why I say visual display, I actually got that name when I was working at Harry Rosen. That was my first visual merchandising job. And they didn't call the people that dressed the mannequins. They they separated them from the people that would handle the clothing that you would see on the tables or on the racks. Mm-hmm. So that would handle the clothing on the tables and the racks would be considered merchandisers and the people that would do the mannequins and so on address the mannequins for the windows and in the store they would call them visual display artists but i've been able to do both 
which is cool. So I do visual display and also merchandisers. So um, I go out to, I have different clients where I dress their mannequins, create displays for them, and pretty much all different aspects of merchandising from cosmetic merchandising to plant merchandising. The possibilities are endless in merchandising. You are a creative soul, my friend. A creative soul. And I love love the name fashion enthusiast because I I would probably like self-proclaim that I, that is me too. Like I love, yeah. And that's something that anybody can take the title of, even if you're not a professional in the space, but if you just love fashion and designing and styling and all that kind of stuff, that's a great title. I love it. Thank you. Enthusiast. (laughs) Okay. So you have an amazing, a wonderful, awesome career in an industry that you are absolutely passionate about and love, which is Mm -hmm. so rare, right? Like so many people don't necessarily actually fulfill, you know, a lifelong dream or actually start, you know, working in a field that they, they love and they do that passion. It's more of like, I'm doing this job because it's paying the bills and whatever. So I love, I always love talking to people who are doing the thing that they love to do, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Especially when their past may not have set them up, set them up for success to actually be able to do that because of our challenging educational system, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a conversation we're going to have today about you of not being somebody who excelled in school and discovering that you were dys- dyslexic and how that impacted you as a kid and growing up and like how you had to kind of navigate this world that doesn't necessarily prioritize different kind of thinking. Can you take us back to like when you were in school and what that was like for you as a kid? Like what kind of student were you? Um, hmm. not the best student. (laughs) And that was not by choice. It was more about my learning style. And I had major difficulties in school from elementary, high school, college, the list goes on before my diagnosis. I didn't really know left and right until I was maybe about 16, 17 years old. I still have kind of issues with it here and every now and then. Yeah, it was just a really bad experience. And especially, I find, especially in high school, I personally hated high school because it was like, you're not exactly an adult yet, but you're growing into that adult. So it's just like, you're you're just learning so much about yourself. Your hormones are racing. That's when you have these friends that you, you thought you had the friends in elementary school, and then you thought that you would bring them into high school. And then all of a sudden, that's not the case. So you're dealing with so many different emotions. And I was dealing with that and also not really doing well in school. Like when I would go to class, I would literally just look at the chalkboard and just be like a deer in headlights. I'm like, I don't understand why I'm not retaining this information. It's not making any sense. Even in elementary school, my mom always tried to get extra help. She would speak to guidance counselors and they would be like, oh, you know, Janelle's, she's such a great kid, yada, 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 give all the great things about my personality. But when it came on to my grades, it was like they kind of wanted to not really share that because they almost didn't want to hurt my feelings. And then coming from a West Indian background, my mom was not having it. She's just like, okay, well, I'm seeing her report cards and this doesn't look good. And they're just like, oh, you know, well, maybe she'll just get it. She's lazy and so on. Maybe she's just timid. So as a parent, I must like, my mom would always tell me, even now she was just like, I knew that something was off, 
but she never got the help. And also being somebody who is Black as well, the school system automatically thinks, oh yeah, we can't afford to get her tested and so on. So yeah, like they're like, oh yeah, her mom can't probably can't afford it. Her father can't afford it. So but they didn't even offer it. They didn't even offer it. They didn't even offer it as well. And I was considered, when I got diagnosed at 25, I was considered borderline dyslexic. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not so extreme, but I'm not out of the clear. So I'm just kind of of like high functioning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I knew how to read and write, but sometimes my words would get a little blurry and so on. And it'd be a hard time for me to retain information. So sometimes I would get the stuff or get the work, but then sometimes it just wouldn't, it just, it wouldn't, just wouldn't work. Yeah. So yeah, it was a traumatic time. Like I always share in grade 11, I went to my guidance counselor and was telling her that, you know what, I really want to get into college and university because I'm all of my friends are going and i would like to go. Mm-hmm. And the guidance counselor said with my grades, there would be, there's no hope for me and that I would never get into college and university. And if I was interested in getting into a college and university, I should take a year off work. And then if I was interested, I should take a course called general arts and science which dealt with math, English, and science, things that I hated and things that I was failing. And once I'm in that course, I would find myself. Flat out told me that. And I took the course and failed. <laughs> failed miserably. So you graduated high school. Barely. <laughs> Barely. Were you four years or five years of high school? Four years. I did maybe about two months of OAC. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm out of here. Like I I can't. (laughs) So you barely graduated high school at four Mm -hmm. years. Did you took the year off as they recommended, or did you just go straight into that general course? I did take the year off. Once I was in OAC for two months, I'm like, okay, there's no sentence for me to be here at that time. Because obviously there's no OAC anymore, but I believe OAC was one of those courses or programs where if you wanted to get into university and you didn't have enough grades or enough enough of a GPA and stuff, you can take OAC classes, which would help you get into university. So I was not intending to go to university. So I don't even know why I went, but I just did. And I then decided to work at a call center. That was one of my first big paying jobs. (laughs) We so all start I, somewhere. We all start somewhere. Listen, I was very happy with my 16 bucks an hour <laughs> <laughs> working 40 hours a day. I was ecstatic about that. And then I have to pay rent either. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. So yeah, but yeah, I did take about a year, a year off before going into college. So was that year off and working at that call center, was that actually helpful for you? Because obviously speaking is something that you love to do, right? Or was that also a challenge with you with being, you know, with words and like following those scripts that those, you know, customer service people have to follow? Was that like a challenging time for you too still? Oh, absolutely. Like that year that I was off was horrible. It's so funny. My mom and my godfather always say whenever they see me like on city line or whenever I do a speaking engagement, they always laugh because they're just like, 
there was a moment in time when I was a kid and even in high school and part of like college, they thought I was mute. They thought there was something actually wrong because I was so shy. I did not like to talk in front of people like at all. Like, I was so timid because I felt that with me being dyslexic or not knowing that I was dyslexic at the time, but I know sometimes in terms of what I want to say, but sometimes my words get jumbled in my head and it's a hard, it's hard for me to retain the information or even to spit it out. So anytime I would speak to somebody, I wouldn't even know what I was saying. And sometimes I would try to mask this, this challenge that I had that I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. Like I would use like big words that made no sense <laughs> because yeah. I, w- I would hear it maybe from my mom talking or maybe my sister talking or somebody talking. I'd be like, oh, that's a cool word. Not even looking up. Not, not even, even knowing the context of the word and being like, let's throw it in here. I was like, let's throw it in here because it sounds cool. And in actuality, my mom would be like, what are you talking about? Because no, no sense. And then yeah. you're around your peers and so forth. You're speaking in like, what's the word? Like Ebonics or street language. So I was saying still a lot or basically a yes. lot. Like <laughs> my vocabulary was horrible. <laughs> So you not really wanting to talk much and your parents thinking that you might, maybe you're a mute. Was that just out of self-confidence? Like, I don't, I'm, I don't speak confidently, so I'm just not going to say anything right now. Yeah, it was definitely out of self-confidence, but I was also just a very shy kid. Very, okay. very, very shy. Yeah. I have a younger sister who's about two and a half or three years younger than me. And she was always out and about and just the partier and just like, Literally, I would be the one always crying all the time and crying because I got the wrong toy, the toy that I didn't want. And my sister would be like in the corner playing with pots and pans and just having a great time. But I was always the sulky one. I was always the first child. So they babied me a lot. Definitely okay. babied me a lot. But yeah, I was I was very timid. So, all right. So you, that year was challenging. You, by some grace of God, you get into college. Yes. So <laughs> I got into a specific college, which I will not name. Yeah. But I was at that college for four years, about four and a half years, and took four courses and failed every single one of those courses from general arts and science to international business. I think I took two different fashion courses. I was also kicked out of that college. And then had had to write them a letter explaining why I need to go back. And they let me in. Keep in mind, I'm also on OSAP as well. So OSAP's giving me money and then taking it away every time I fail, but still allowing me to keep going and giving me more. So I'm accumulating debt and still taking these courses without an end game. Like, I'm just like, okay, I'm just taking it. I don't really know what's happening, but this is just what I'm supposed to do. And then after that, after failing a fashion course, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, this just not make any sense. Like, 
why am I going to this school? Like, am I just going to hang out with my friends or to hang out in the pub? Like, what's the purpose here? So after about four years, I decided to stop, like completely stop and really hone in on my fashion career. So getting into styling and styling myself and putting it on, I think, yeah, Facebook was around that time. That was my my gateway. And that's kind of where things started to really turn around for me. And then at one point, did you actually go and get tested for dyslexia to find out that you were dyslexic? I know you said 25, but like where where in the course of these four years of college and like starting your career? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. So at, I believe I was 23, I believe 23 or 24 at the time. And after taking about a year off of that other college, I decided to give school one more chance, like one more chance. Like I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Like just, I wanted that piece of paper so bad, so bad. I applied to George Brown College as a mature student and got into the fashion management program. And that same week, I I think it was, yeah, same week in September, I walked into a guidance counselor's office. I was very familiar about guidance counselors because I was in their office all the time at the other college. So I'm just like, this school yeah. must have this, this is my place. I'm familiar yeah. with this office. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know this place. Like this is perfect. So yeah, I walked in there and booked an appointment to speak to a guidance counselor and they paired me with a counselor. Her name is Stephanie Burke. She actually passed away about two years ago, which I found out, which was heart wrenching for me. But um, Stephanie was a great learning strategist at George Brown. And I had my first meeting with her and I'm talking to her and I'm seeing her write things down. And I'm just like, what's happening? And she says like, hmm, have you ever heard of dyslexia? And I was just like, I think so, because I used to watch the Cosby show. And I remember Theo in the Cosby show was dyslexic. Oh my God. Yes, that's right. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was the first time I heard about dyslexia. I yeah. Know about it before. And she's just like, yeah, she, I don't think she watched the music show. She was like, yeah. But she explained to me what dyslexia is. And she was just like, I think you may be dyslexic. And I t- looked at her and I'm just like, there's no way. There's no way. Like, what, how? Me being dyslexic? I'm like, I've spoken to how many different teachers in elementary school and in high school. And no one said anything about me being dyslexic. And they were like, she's just like, well, you know, let's get you tested. And so I'm like, okay, um, well, how much is it? She was just like, well, let me ask you this. Are you on OSAP? And I'm like, yeah. She was just like, okay, well, you can get tested for free. And I was just like, excuse me? Come again, come again, come again. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So a psychologist came in three weeks after and tested me for about four hours on pretty much everything, like things that I learned when I was in elementary school, all the way until college, and just things that would be basic comprehension to test my memory, how I retain information, my writing, my learning styles, and so forth. 
And then I'd say two weeks after I got a report about this thick about Stephanie was going through it. And she was just like, well, you're good at this, but you're not so good at this. You're good at this, but you're not so good at this. And this is where you excel at. And this, so I'm just like, okay, so what does all this mean? She was just like, well, guess what, Janelle, you're dyslexic. And I was just like, no, no, I'm not. She's like, yep, it says right here. But I'm like, okay, what now? (laughs) And she was just like, well, this is what we're going to do. And she gave me tools on what we needed to do for the two years that I was at George Brown. So every week, whenever I would get my homework, I would go into Steffi's office. I would sit down with her. We'd map out a game plan in terms of how we're going to work on each assignment. She'd give me the tools. I'd take it home. I'd work and so on. Also in a lot of these colleges, most every college, I believe, there's also different bursaries that they would give out to students who have learning challenges or physical disabilities or differences, as I like to say. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, bursaries that would pay for anything you need to excel in school. Uh, Things to help you pay for special equipment, tools, like what? Anything anything like while I was in school, like if there was like a lecture, because I had a hard time retaining information, sometimes I would need to like record a lot of my lectures. And technically that's like forbidden, Mm -hmm. but because I had this learning difference, I would be allowed to record it. And if I didn't record it on my phone, the school would pay for a recorder for me. So I can record the lecture. There was also this program that was $1,000 that you would install in your computer and it would actually, anything that you say you're typing an essay, it would highlight all of the the errors and so on and correct it for you. It was amazing. (laughs) It was amazing. But yeah, so many different programs and bursaries that are out there that I didn't know about. Yeah. Years. So yeah, it was, it was great. And I remember walking with that piece of paper home and showing my mom that I'm dyslexic. And she just started crying. She's just like, I knew there was something. I knew it. Oh my God, I knew it. I knew it. Because she was blaming herself so much. And yeah, she was just so happy and so grateful that I was getting the help. So here's a question. I think I already know the answer, but officially having that diagnosis of being dyslexic, Mm -hmm. was that a positive for you or was that label? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, did you like, thank God I finally now know, or initially, I I know initially you were kind of in denial, but like after a while where you're like, think like, this is amazing. Like now that I have this information, I actually know how to function in my life. Yeah. I think it was a mix of both. I'll be very honest with you. Yeah. When it was first, when I first got the news, there was like this, it was like, I was relieved. I was relieved. But at the same time too, I was just like, okay, so what does this mean? (laughs) Like, I thought there was actually something wrong with me. I'm just like, what in the world does Alexa, do I need medication? Like, what is like, what, what's up? Like, how do I live 
with this. And then after a few years of learning about the diagnosis and then learning about how many people, especially even celebrities, have dyslexia, that's when I was just like, okay, this is pretty cool. <laughs> like, like I'm seeing the world in a totally different way. I learn differently. I'm, I knew I was a little different overall. So yeah, it was, it was scary. It was, I felt relieved, but I was also like, yeah, it was just a mix. It was definitely a mix of emotions for sure. And then even after that, I was just like, okay, so after college, how do I deal with this? That's yeah, when I can't walk into Steffi's office anymore and have her help me with all my homework when I'm at my job, how do I function as an adult in the world with dyslexia? Exactly. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> that's yeah. Right after, after like when I graduated, yeah, I definitely got a rude awakening very fast, very, very fast. Okay. So what were some of the things that you now needed to figure out on your own? as it related to working in the world with dyslexia? Well, the one thing that I realized is not to hide it, not to hide it. It's something that I was scared to let people know because I was just like, okay, if I let somebody know that I am a dyslexic, will I get the job? Like, because they're going to feel like I'm going to need extra help. And working in the fashion industry, it's so fast paced. No one has the time to do anything for you, help you out. You figure it out and then you move on. Like there's no time at all. Also keep in mind when I graduated in 2009, I got an internship in New York City to work at BET Television Network. Um, yes, one of my biggest accomplishments. <laughs> Dream job for yes. you know a yeah. young, yeah. fashionable, music loving girl like New York City MTV. Yeah. Yes, and MC. that was like the heyday of like oh yeah, a BT BT yeah. like it was one hundred six in Park like celebrities walking into that office all the time, and I'm in New York, and I've always I've always said I've always wanted an internship in New York like that was just my thing. All right. So actually got it. It was great. But I, the first few weeks of being there, I realized how fast things were. And I had this, this fashion director that worked at BET and she's now my mentor. I call her like my second mom, my New York mom. And I remember walking into her office and a few weeks after I was just like, okay, so this is the deal. I'm dyslexic. She was just like, I don't care. She was just like, it's fine if you're dyslexic. You just need to get it done. I don't care how long it takes you. Thanks for letting me know, but you need to get it done. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool. She was just like, yeah, I'll accommodate you. Whatever you need, just get this done. And I'm like, okay, perfect. So she just guided me through any little thing I needed. She was just like, okay, so because you're dyslexic, you have to write things down. So I was writing where I needed to go, what I needed to pick up and so forth. And yeah, it was a great experience. Sometimes I would hide my dyslexia with certain gigs and would lose out on a lot of opportunities because I would do a task and it wouldn't be done properly. And the person that I would do the task for wouldn't know that I'm dyslexic. So they would just think, oh, she's not proofreading 
the email right, or she's not retaining the information. She's not listening. So because not paying attention, she's not, you know, this is, she's whatever things that people say about people like, oh, she's lazy. She's not organized. She's not invested. She's exactly. So yeah, I've lost out on some big opportunities while I was in New York at 25. That was just gut-wrenching. So after being there for about a year, I decided to come back to Toronto and just really regroup. Mm -hmm. And that's when the world of visual merchandising came into play. So I learned more about that. And I started to be really upfront about me being dyslexic to everybody, like any place I worked at because of that traumatic experience that I dealt with in New York. I'm like, I can't go through that again. So big, big lesson learned. And I am applying it to everything moving forward. Like honest and open. Absolutely. Have you ever run into a situation where you were honest, opened and it backfired? I'm going to hope. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did. One of my, one of my jobs, I let my manager know that I was dyslexic and he used it against me and told me that, that I'm not dyslexic, that there's nothing wrong with me and that I'm lazy. And yeah, I ended up leaving that job. (laughs) Like, after being there for about a year and a half. Red flag, red flag. I think that's probably a good litmus test for you now is like when you openly share that you're dyslexic with employers or clients or whatever, and they do not react in a positive or understanding way, you're like, I don't even want to work with these people. Oh, absolutely. And I, that's so interesting because all the skills he taught me, because he's like, he was amazing at what he did, at what he did, like, amazing. And when we got into that little situation, I, that same day, I remember leaving and went downtown and saw that a store was looking for a visual display artist and walked in there, showed them my resume and they hired me on the spot. Because I told them, I'm like, I can dress any of these mannequins. And so said, so done. And I ended up being a visual supervisor at that store. That must have felt really sweet, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, instantly. I was just like, yeah, I'm leaving. And he was just like, oh, Gio, like, why? And did it not? I'm just because you and I were like oil and water. Like, yeah, I don't need this. I don't need it. All right. So now that you have many years of living in the world as someone with dyslexia, what are your go-to tools for -hmm. yourself that might help somebody who's listening be -hmm. like, oh, maybe that's me. Maybe, maybe, maybe like, even if they're diagnosed or not, Yeah. what are some tools that have helped you significantly over the last few years that you're like, these will help you? It's so interesting. When I... I actually, I think it was, I think it was 27, no, I think maybe 28 or 29, I can't remember. I came out on Instagram and let everybody know that I was dyslexic, just like wrote this, this thing on Instagram. And I remember my DMs were flooded, like flooded from people. They were just like, I had no idea. Or people are just like, I think I'm dyslexic too. Or people will be like, just so you know, I'm also dyslexic. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? 
And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's so interesting because once somebody says that they are, and because I was in the fashion industry, because what people see on Instagram with me, me in like cool clothes, or at that time I was going to specific events and so on and so on, they had this idea of who I was. Like there was this perfect Janelle. She's going here. She's living in New York, this, that, and the third. She's working with all these celebrities but didn't know that I was also dealing with this other side. So when they found out that I failed college four times, or I was struggling in elementary school and in high school, I had high school friends even say, I had no idea you were going through this, like none. And these are like my closest friends, like they were all shocked. So I find there's a lot of people out there who may have a learning difference, but not know because they never got tested. So I've always said things like writing, writing things down. It's like super important or because we're in a world right now where we're hardly writing, <laughs> we're texting, we're, we're typing things mm-hmm. in our phones and so on. But I find writing things, it, it, it's, it's more beneficial there's like a like, there's like a connection between what you're writing and how your brain is interpreting yeah. it that locks it in better. Yeah, I so I'm that. gonna guess that you are like a physical paper day planner girl. You know what's crazy? I don't have a day planner. I have I have so many of them because when I go to these events, I get day planners all the time. I find them so intimidating at times. Oh, okay. I just find them so intimidating. So you're so, like a notebook and just like, you just, yeah, like, you're I'll right. just write okay. it. I'll just write it down and so forth. Or if I know that I have to do something, I'll put an alarm on my phone, mm-hmm. which is great. Or stickies, like little sticky stuff. I'll have them like on my laptop and so on. I am, I'm the queen of a post-it note too. Oh yeah. My mom used to do that with me because I was always, I always used to forget my lunch. Even in when I graduated and I was working out in the real world and stuff and I was living with her and if she would like make lunch or have like leftovers and mm-hmm. stuff, she would always put a sticky note at the door and says, don't okay, forget lunch. <laughs> gotta love mom. You gotta love mom. So yeah, sticky notes are great. Also, whenever you're writing stuff down, I found highlighting my work really beneficial or even if you're reading something like a textbook if you're highlighting it for me color is a huge stimulation for me mm-hmm. so I would highlight it and that way I would like I would know that okay I finished reading that part now I got to go down because sometimes with me I'd be reading a paragraph and then all of a sudden my my eyes would get blurry right in the middle for some reason, I guess that's how my dyslexic brain works. Mm -hmm. Like I would focus in the middle and everything was a blur. So I found highlighting was a, was a great tool and also studying with instrumentals because I love music and I'm extremely audio. Mm -hmm. So I would always listen to an instrumental when I would study and it would, I would make this song in my head And the next day or so, I would be able to write a test or write an essay and so on. And recall it because you're now thinking of the tune and the words and the song. And you're like, this, this equals this, right? Exactly. Exactly. So you've, you've turned your dyslexia into a bit of a superpower. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Those were the tools that God rest her soul, Stephanie gave me. And it it's, I still use them to this day. So, okay. So your, your DMs are flooded with all of these people who are now either telling you, Hey, guess what? I, me, me too, mm-hmm. or I didn't know, or asking you questions about, you know, surviving in life or coping or, you know, how, how do I get tested? What is it about being dyslexic now that actually makes you feel great? I pretty much shout it to the rooftops every time like I meet somebody. I'm like, hi, my name is Janelle and I'm dyslexic. Like it's literally like I it's like a badge of honor for you now. Oh, absolutely, because I look at it as like what you said, a superpower. So like it's just who I am. But at the same time, too, I don't use it as as a way for me to get special treatment or I don't use it as a crutch. Like, no, mm-hmm. this is who I am. This is how I learn. If you see me kind of slowing down and so on, this is what's happening. Just give me some time and so on. So yeah, I te- definitely use it as a superpower and I, I love it. Like, And like I said, if you Google dyslexic celebrities, you would be surprised from like Ooh. from Whoopi Goldberg, Steven Spielberg, Muhammad Ali, Jennifer Aniston, I believe Octavia Spencer. What is dyslexic? Like Richard Sir Branson, the creator of Virgin Mobile. Like, mm-hmm. Virgin- yeah, he is one of the more famous people yes. who came out being dyslexic. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Even the people on Shark Tank, Barbara Cochran, I believe her name is, or Cochran. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Right. So, so many, so many people now probably also have more access to being tested too. So there's, it feels like everybody and their mom is out there saying they're dyslexic. Same thing with like, oh, all the allergies and all the, we just feel, we feel like there's so many more people now who are coming out being like, I have this, or this is going on. It's just because we all have more accessibility to these tests and and being able to do it. ADHD, all of that. So now what? What's going on with you? What what are, we, what are you working on? What are you really inspired with right now as to where you are in your career? Because you have come a long, long, long way from being the college flunky dropout to, yeah. to now. Yeah. Yeah. So right now I'm living life, honestly, really just living life not to put a damper on the situation and so forth. But I find when you go through traumatic experiences like school or even traumatic experience, like losing a loved one, you look at life in a whole different way. I love my industry, the fashion industry. I truly, truly, truly do. But at the same time too, you, I think you're mentioning a part where there's people that love th- there's people that love their careers and to certain people that hate their careers. I have a love-hate relationship with mine. Okay. <laughs> because it's um it's beautiful, it's great, it's amazing, but it's also a very superficial industry. Mm. Like most like anything in entertainment, it's all a facade. It's, it's all, all about how it looks. It's all about how it looks. And at the end of the day, a lot of people they are not real within themselves. And they create this facade in terms of like who they are because they're in this industry. Mm -hmm. 
And um, it's very hard to find people that are real in this industry. And as I'm getting older and I just lost, I lost my father in December. And after that experience, it's almost like, okay, what really matters here? What really matters here? Like the glitz and the glam and you're going here, you're going here, you're going at this event, what if, whatever. But at the end of the day, like what really matters? And for me, yes, I'm living life and having these great gigs. Like I just finished, well, yeah, I just finished um, working on a huge reality TV show. I'll announce it whenever it's done. (laughs) (laughs) That will remain nameless for the time being. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. But I was a designing assistant on that show and I've never had a designer title before. It's usually like costume buyer, but now I have this designer title, which is pretty cool. Assistant designer, like that's awesome. And I am a fashion expert on City Line. And what I appreciate about City Line is they allow me to be me. Mm-hmm. I'm there authentically genial, from the locks to what I wear. <laughs> like the team over there, especially Tracy Moore, she is amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So opportunities like that, or just working in film, I'm doing more merchandising. I also do speaking engagements to students talking about dyslexia and what I've went through and how I overcame certain challenges and so forth. And um, yeah, with all those great things and stuff, I still, I still believe in living my life and living it on my terms and sometimes pausing all of that Mm -hmm. and just living in the moment, like hanging out with friends, talking to you, looking at you to make videos. (laughs) You're doing planking. Those things are really, really, really like heartwarming for me. Because when you live in a world that is so facetious and just pretentious, you need to be grounded at times or every day, I should say. Every day. Yeah. That is what you need to do to survive in that industry and that world. Yeah. I can, I can, I can relate a little bit because, you know, my background is marketing and advertising, right? Mm -hmm. Which is creating these ideas and selling these stories of telling people what it is that they need and want and must buy. And it can get a little crazy. You know, it's not as it's, I guess it's adjacent to the entertainment industry, right? Marketing and advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand that, that creating that look and that feel of this curated life, right. And mm-hmm. just showing up and you being authentic every day, which is fantastic. Yes. Yay. Very much. All right. Well, where can people find you? Where do you like to hang out on the interwebs? Well, I did have a website, but then I shut it down (laughs) because it was super old and I need to figure that out and so on. But right now you can find me on Instagram at Janielle McCoy, J-A-N-I-E-L-L-E McCoy, M-C-K-O-Y. And I hang out a lot actually on LinkedIn too. I love LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a good place. Okay. So we're going to put all of her um, links in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to her and have a conversation, I'm sure she is more than happy to talk about Dexasia all day long with anybody who has got a question. And she may even throw in a few styling and fashion tips too, right? 
Yes, yes, yes. And just so everybody knows, I am not a psychologist because I get people asking me, they're just like, oh, do you think I'm dyslexic? I'm like, I'm not here diagnosing people. I cannot diagnose you. That is for you to figure out. But here, here's, here's my story. Here's yes. the things that, you know, were my triggers. If you have those, go find go talk to a professional. Exactly. <laughs> good disclaimer, good disclaimer. All right, my darling. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me and sharing the story. I know you're going to inspire a lot of people to rethink, you know, maybe their own past and their own learning experience, or if they're a parent and they're looking at their kids right now yes. and, you know, questioning, Hey, is, is there something going on here? You know, maybe, maybe my kid isn't lazy. Maybe there's just something going on in his brain that is, you know, the dots are not connecting and yeah. inspiring them to go advocate for their kids to yes. go and get the test. Very, very, very important. Your kids will thank you in the long run. Obviously, we can't change the past, but if you could have gotten a diagnosis at a younger age, what do you think that would have been for you? Hmm. Ah, wow. Maybe the process wouldn't have been so long. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I feel like you I would have been doing everything that I would be doing, but it wouldn't, wouldn't have taken me so long to get there. Yeah. And I wouldn't have accumulated so much debt back then. Yeah, that was probably the thing. You're like, I would have known to like, you know, the school that me and the school thing was not like, how much debt did you acquire? Because, and everyone listening who is not from Ontario, OSAP is like Ontario student loan program, right? And it's, it's, it's what, you know, a lot of students use to go through school. Mm -hmm. How much debt were you in by the end of it? At the end of it, it was about, I'd say 25, about 25 grand, 25 grand. Yeah. Which is gone, paid off, whatever, but thank God. But but yeah, about 25 grand. It is a big price to pay Mm -hmm. for something that could have been potentially avoided had you been given better guidance when you were younger. And mm-hmm. not people just hoping to, or not people just not wanting to hurt your feelings yeah. and say, say, say what is agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And then the other big lesson, obviously you learn, especially while you were in New York is be open and share and don't hide it. Oh yeah. Be upfront and share, talk, talk to somebody and don't be afraid to get the extra help. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you, darling, so much. Hope you guys all uh, loved this episode. I know I did. So if this resonated with you, please give it a like, a share, a listen, subscribe to the show. And if you know somebody who is going through something similar to this, please, please, please share this episode with them because it may just help them figure out their very own. Now what? Yes. Bye, girlfriend. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank, Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.